I feel out of practice. I know it's been weeks. We had that whole holiday break. I know. That's going in the final podcast, by the way. Hello, working people of Southwest Washington. You're listening to episode 14 of Working to Live in Southwest Washington, produced by the Southwest Washington Central Labor Council. We're also a proud member of the Labor Radio Podcast Network. Find out more about the network at laborradionetwork.org. And I hope you haven't forgotten about me. I'm Shannon Myers. And I'm Harold Phillips. And before we get started, as always, we want to remind you that the views and opinions expressed on this show are not necessarily the views and opinions of the Southwest Washington Central Labor Council, its affiliate unions, our guests' unions, their employers, not even their kids, because God knows kids have their opinions. It's nobody but their own. So, how's it going over there in the Myers house, Shannon? Sounds like kids have some opinions. Well, I do have a 16 and a 14-year-old man trying to explain to them what happened last week on January 6th in D.C. was crazy. Yeah. How do you explain to your kids that there are people who have literally been lied to and are out of their minds and then they storm the capitol and they have a noose a police officer died another one committed suicide i mean how do you explain this to your children i really hope that they hold these people accountable and i really hope that this show explains to people who these representatives are they're normal people And how we should talk to them correctly to make change. What happened last week was not appropriate and will not cause change. That only causes chaos and division. The thing is, our system of government is based on the idea that people like you and me can make our views known to our elected officials. They're elected to represent us, right? But there's a right way to do this, and there's a wrong way to do this. We saw the wrong way in D.C. on January 6th. Now that the legislative session is opened here in Washington, we're going to spend a little time talking about the right way to talk to your legislator. But before we get into that, let's talk a little bit about how the legislative process works. Okay, Schoolhouse Rock, it's all on you. (laughs) So somebody gets this idea in their head and they decide that they want to make it law. So let's just take a simple one, for example, minimum wage. I decide that I think that people should make a living wage. So then I would contact my representative. Let's say that's Representative Monica Stonier or Senator Annette Cleveland and say, hey, I got this great idea. Let's raise the minimum wage. They're like, great, we've been wanting to do that too. You're one of our constituents. Let's put something together. And they start writing a bill. Now, keep in mind, a bill can be introduced in both the House side and the Senate side. But in order for it to pass, it actually has to pass both sides. So if Monica introduces a $15 minimum wage out of the House, She gets that passed in the House. They send it to the Senate. 
the Senate then will decide if they want to make changes. If they make any changes, guess what? Bam, it has to go back to the House and start the process again to start approval. But let's say the Senate says, we like it, we're going to approve it, bam, it's cleared both sides of the House and it goes to the governor to sign. And that is how a little constituent such as myself can talk to my representatives and possibly make great change throughout Washington state. And it's important to remember that this constituent Shannon is talking about, the one with the red hair and the attitude, can be involved in every step of that process. We can watch that bill go through the process in the House and then watch when it goes to the Senate and watch when it goes to the governor or when it goes back to the House with changes. And we can talk to our legislators at every step of that process, letting them know if we like those changes or letting them know if we'd like other things. So just remember, once you get those people elected into office, it is up to us to make change through them for not only our communities and our neighborhoods, but for our entire state and nation. Now that we've talked about the process, let's talk to the actual legislators who are shepherding those bills through the process. We're going to begin with someone who will be very familiar to podcast listeners, Monica Stonier. You'll remember Monica from our first full episode way back in September of 2020. Thanks so much for joining us, Monica. Thank you for having me. Always happy to be here. So, Monica, obviously, this year is a little different, isn't it? It is a bit different. We started the session with both heightened security and a different mission on the first day of the legislative session, which was Monday. Obviously, threats on the nation's capital and expecting protesters that prompted the governor to call in the National Guard to help protect the work that we needed to do on the very first day, which was 100% solely focused on adopting rules that allows us to operate remotely. Why did you have to go through this process of adopting rules? Couldn't you just get on Zoom like everybody else? Yeah, that's a great question. Constitutionally, we are required to be at the seat of government to conduct business. Um, The seat of government is considered the capital. And so we can, once we're there, adopt rules that allow us to operate somewhat differently than we normally would, but they would have to be voted on and approved by the body. As we saw in the nation's capital, there have recently been positive COVID tests as a result of people being locked in or working closely near others that were infected with the virus. And that's not something we want to see here in Washington state, because ultimately that would shut down our operations. In addition to being a state representative for us here in Southwest Washington, you also serve as the floor leader. Can you explain what that position is? Yeah. So the majority floor leader, the role that I have is really to prepare the floor for debate and to ensure that the bills that we pass off the House floor are supported by the votes in the body. So determining, okay, what do we have the votes for that are going to better this state? What do we think needs to move on in the process to the Senate and potentially the governor's desk? And preparing for debate is also an interesting Um, dynamic because it requires working very closely with the minority. So the minority floor leader and I communicate fairly regularly to make sure 
that not only is the minority voice heard and do they have equal opportunity to express their opposition or their support as we might have in the majority. I think that is important for the sake of democracy. Well, she's the woman in charge leadership from Southwest, of course, Monica Stonier. We're trying. We're putting Southwest Washington on the map. That's what we're doing. We need it because Seattle, Tacoma, all those big areas is not all of Washington. Southwest Washington actually leads the state in a lot of really great ideas. And I try to highlight that as much as I can. Southwest Washington has done local efforts to try and provide childcare for working families. And people don't really know about that across the state until the state wants to talk about childcare. And so it's my job to bring that attention back to what we've learned about here in this region. Same is true for Career Connect Washington was a governor's initiative. The concept started here in Southwest Washington with SEH America and Evergreen Public Schools. I mean, the list goes on and on on how we have led in this region and the state has uh, eventually followed. So it helps to have folks around here that can bring the attention to the good work we do here. So Monica, speaking of good work, what are your plans this session? What do we got cooking for working people? Well, what I can tell you from working with teachers and students since schools shut down and then opened up again is that much of what we are doing that is online requires more process, more protocol, and requires people to be connected and ready online. Making sure people are connected with broadband is key. Making sure people have access to health care is key. Making sure that vaccines are not getting held up in the pipeline and are available to the frontline's working staff. We've seen headlines about our corrections staff not being as safe as they can be in their work environment. And so we need to be thinking about them. We need to be thinking about our healthcare workers. We know uh, there's been a bipartisan letter asking to prioritize teachers so that they also can be added to the list of people who can get a vaccine as early as possible so that we can safely reopen schools. So a lot of it's related to protecting the community as we reopen and as we deploy vaccines. But our businesses are suffering too. So we are also looking at ensuring some relief for small businesses that are working hard to try and keep their doors open. We are looking to make sure that our working people have the protections that they need as they go to work and that they also have the leave that they might need. Monica, this show is all about how the listeners can make their voice heard in government the right way. So with the changes that are in effect How can the listeners reach out to their legislators to make their opinions heard? Well, in the show notes, I know you'll create a spot where there can be a link. My legislative Facebook page, Rep. Monica Stonier, uh, just posted today a post that has a link in it where you can see exactly how you can testify on a bill how you can reach out to your legislators. One of the things, Harold, that I'm really excited about this year is that with people testifying from afar, we have seen more racial and geographical diversity in people who can testify and weigh in on the policy that is happening or the bills that are being heard and what we are doing as elected officials from all across the state. So if you were to ask me what's working, I would say that the increased access to the process is what is working right now. And it's only the second day of hearings. And so I think it's really great. And that's to be considered for long-term adjustments for how we do business. 
I love that, Monica. We need to have more and more access. And that's why I love to hear that you're working on a broadband bill, getting people Wi-Fi. It should be access for everybody. I hope that you will consider maybe keeping a hybrid model so that a lot of us who live outside of Olympia can raise our voices. Bravo. Absolutely. Those that are working a shift and can't make the drive across the mountain range and then back in time to both take care of their families and show up for the next bell. That's really key. And frankly, those are the people who are left out of our process. And so we're really excited about ways to include them. Thank you so much for making the time to be with us. We really appreciate it. Anytime. Now let's turn to the other house of the Washington State Legislature. Things in the state Senate are a little bit different in a normal year, not to mention this year where things are a little bit different. To tell us about that, we have State Senator Annette Cleveland with us. Thanks so much for joining us, Annette. Thank you. I'm very pleased to join you today and happy to address some of the changes that people can expect this year as the legislature has convened this week. For the most part, legislators are at home. Uh, now, there are exceptions, but you won't find too many legislators in Olympia on any given day during the session. I'll say that as a chair of a committee, I'm the current chair of the Senate Health and Long-Term Care Committee. I have actually, in the committee meetings that have been held thus far, been very pleasantly surprised at how much easier it is for the public to engage and provide testimony on bills that we're hearing because they can do so from the comfort of their home through their computer or their phone. And I think that in the long run, we may well find that a lot more people are going to be able to participate in our legislative process. You know, that's exactly what Monica was talking about. So that brings up the question. We have an issue with internet and Wi-Fi. With this upcoming session, is that on your list? Absolutely. Broadband access continues to be one of our top priorities and um, recognizing that even in a community like ours, access to the internet is not always easy. Most people do have phones. They are able to participate without the internet and can still call into meetings. There's that option. But in addition to broadband being one of our focuses, I will say that this pandemic has highlighted so many of the issues that we need to put focus toward and has laid bare for us racial disparities and the fact that there is inequity in our healthcare system. And we've known that, but there is no denying now when we are seeing the data in regard to COVID-19 and how disproportionately it impacts our Black and um, Brown communities. So I will share that with all the challenges that we're facing together right now, the priorities for this legislative session are continued response to COVID, absolutely working to spur economic recovery, get businesses back open, get people back to work, and continuing to address um, the racial injustice and inequities that we know are uh, a part of our society. So Annette, you mentioned that you're not going to see many senators on the legislative campus this year. But are senators going to be in person in Olympia for some portions of the session? 
That's a great question. Yes, the leadership team members will most likely be on the Senate floor each day. And in addition to that, any of us who are chairs like myself may well have to be in Olympia on days that in particular we're considering healthcare bills on the floor. Uh, it's just easier to manage legislation when you're all on the floor in the same room. You mentioned that people are using their phones to testify. Generally speaking, if our listeners wanted to make their voice heard on a particular bill, a particular issue, what's the best way for them to find information on how to do that in this new world? On our wa.ledge.gov website, you can find information on the new virtual processes and how to organize your testimony, how to submit testimony. There's still the tried and true method of submitting your testimony in writing, and you can do that via email, and all of that information is located on that website. You could also email each legislator individually, which people have been doing, and I welcome and appreciate that. Oftentimes, written testimony is a little easier for legislators to digest because it's there in black and white. I encourage people to email, call, and to stay in touch. I think that's our biggest challenge this legislative session is um, communication and being sure that everyone's being heard and we're all able to access one another. Well, we're just about out of time, but before we leave, I just want to ask, how are you doing? It's Aww. been a rough week, obviously, between what happened on January 6th, the fences going up around the Capitol in Olympia. How are you holding up? Thank you for asking. It has been extremely trying. As a former congressional staff member, I've, I've walked the halls of the Capitol so many times, and it was particularly painful to watch the desecration of the Capitol by those who um, seemingly don't have as much respect, perhaps, for our democracy as I would hope we'd all share. And I think that that's a focus for all of us, particularly elected officials, that we need to continue to better share with others um, the pillars of our democracy, why they are in place, and how important it is to making progress as a country. And Annette, I just want to say thank you for your service. A lot of people tend to forget that you are a human being. You are someone who lives in Vancouver and you have stepped up. People tend to take things very personally and get angry. And we all just need to realize that we're all humans. We all live in our neighborhoods right next door to each other. And we need to make sure that we treat each other with respect. So thank you so much for your service. Thank you for that, Shannon. And know that I feel strongly that we all have common goals that we share and we need to begin from that place and identify what problems there are that need to be solved and then roll up our sleeves and work together to figure out what the best solutions are. And that doesn't always mean we're going to agree, but if we don't engage in those discussions, we are never going to uh, move forward in problem solving. That's what I stay focused on. Well, we appreciate that focus. Thank you so much for joining us, Annette. Thank you. So we've talked about how to communicate with your legislators this year. Now let's talk about what you might be communicating with them about. If there's one thing you can say about 2020, it pointed out a lot of issues that need fixed for working people in Washington. So you can bet the labor movement is going to be talking to the legislature about how to fix them. 
And to talk about that, we have Joe Kindo, the Government Affairs Director at the Washington State Labor Council, and his assistant. Thanks for joining us, Joe. Hey, thank you. Yes, this is Evan. He is my Deputy Director of Government Affairs. He turns one year old next week. (laughs) I love to see him. You know what? We're all working people. We all got kids. So, Joe, I love to see you with your little one. Thank you for having me on. This is great. I really appreciate it. And, you know, I think this is a great model for communication that other regional labor councils should take a look at. Well, we couldn't agree more about that. But, Joe, let's talk a little bit about this session because we've been talking to Monica Stonier and Annette Cleveland about what's different this year with the pandemic, with the unrest that we experienced in Washington, D.C. last week. What's different for the State Labor Council as they go to the legislature and advocate for working people? I think the immediate, you know, functional difference, aside from the uh, remote nature of the session, is just the limited capacity there is to accomplish legislation takes about twice as long to do the same thing. Bill hearings take twice as long. Floor debate seems to take twice as long. And I I do have to hand it to the legislators themselves. I mean, they have gone through quite a bit of preparation and work to get to a place where I think that they'll functionally be able to legislate. It's just that that pipeline is going to be a lot more narrow. And you're seeing that in bill introductions. I mean, there are much fewer uh, bills being introduced every day than in previous sessions. Well, that brings up a question that I have, Joe. I heard that they were only going to hear a certain amount of bills, that they were basically capping the number. Are they putting limitations like that on bills? And how does that affect the bills that you guys are selecting to push this session? Yeah, to your first question, I think the House has a semi-formal cap of seven bills per member. I don't think the Senate is quite as formal about it, but I think all legislators are being very judicious about what they put out there. I think there's a real focus on bills that help us react to the COVID pandemic, bills that help you know avert or mitigate climate disaster. They're hearing bills with respect to racial equity and policing and bills to make sure that the budget and uh, state and local government have the resources they need to do all the work they need to do. For us, that means we're elevating bills that have a direct impact on health and safety enforcement, that have a direct impact on revenue and providing the services and jobs we need through state spending, and doing that in a way that doesn't further burden or impact working families. And unemployment insurance, you know, is, is another really big one that we have to make some real strides on. And then childcare and jobs, making sure people are able to go to work and that we have a transportation investment package that's going to put people to work. Those are the highlights of our legislative agenda. And then there are a couple of bills we're also working on that are sort of pandemic adjustment bills, things related to pension service credit for public workers who are furloughed or doing shared work, some technical stuff like that. Joe, you just gave us a big list of priorities. How are you going to accomplish that? And more importantly, how can people listening to this work with you? I think the most important thing, especially organized workers can do is being responsive to the asks that their individual unions put out, you know, to engage. That aside, the State Labor Council also maintains a couple of websites. The one that's most public facing is thestand.org. And that's where a lot of our call to actions go. There are links for accessing your legislature. Um, There are links for 
petitions and letter drives and calls to action. But I think the most important thing that people can do is communicate a sense of values to their legislator. You don't need talking points to do that. It's just reaching out to them however you communicate with a pen and paper or an email or a phone call and letting them know the kinds of things that you think they really need to lean into. So how do people find out how to contact their legislators? The legislature has a website. It's leg.wa.gov, leg.wa.gov. And, um, you know, it takes a little bit of searching, but on that main landing page, there's links to look up your legislator. You can just type your address in and it'll show you who represents you. And then it will have the option to submit comment to them, or you can find their email address or their office number. Obviously, most of them are not working in offices, but they do have access to their voicemail. Their physical mail is being forwarded to their homes or to wherever it is they're working from. The hardest part, of course, is cutting through all the all the static, right? Um, nobody's taking in-person meetings, right? There are no in-person lobby days. There are no coffee meetings, you know, on the weekends. So anything that people can do to stand out, I honestly think written letters are really impactful. Thousands of people are going to send emails, right? Hundreds will make phone calls. Those are good, important things to do. But if you can take the time to like fill out a postcard or, or write a letter, that's tactile, right? It'll take a little longer to get to the legislator, of course, uh, but I'll tell you, it'll stick with them. So, Joe, what you're talking about here is lobbying on an issue, and people have a reaction to that term, lobbying, lobbyist. Is it worth people's time, do you think, to lobby their legislators? I, I do. And, you know, I am a paid registered lobbyist. That's my job. But lobbying itself is really just the act of communicating to a legislator or a policymaker of some kind. The legislators hear from me all the time. They don't hear from the people I represent all the time. And so those voices, your voices out there listening to this podcast can be really, really powerful. And I, I know people can get really cynical about lawmakers, and I understand that. But being a legislator is not a fun job. <laughs> it does not pay well. It drags you across the state in most instances. It keeps you away from your family. Uh, really, really long nights or long days and, and, and into the night. But anytime they can make a connection with somebody in their district, that's valuable to them. It makes the work worthwhile to them. And so is it worth your time as a non-professional lobbyist, everyday person to go talk? Absolutely. Absolutely. If there's something you care about or something you think is going to impact you, now is the time to do it. It really is. Now is the time to do it. Our time is coming to an end, but any last thoughts you'd like to leave the audience with? We're doing a lot on health and safety enforcement. We're doing a lot on unemployment insurance, and we're doing a lot on jobs. If you or somebody you know has struggled with the unemployment insurance system, there is a bill out there, Senate Bill 5061, sponsored by Senator Kaiser, that will ensure that certain emergency proclamations the governor made to waive the waiting week, to suspend job search, to um, make it so that people who are particularly at risk of COVID infection or death can quit their jobs and go on unemployment and still get unemployment insurance. It also importantly raises the minimum benefit for the lowest earners. So these are people that make like $20,000, $27,000 a year before they got laid off. That is an important piece, and it has been well-worked and well-negotiated, and we're hoping for it to be fast-tracked. 
And then there's another bill, House Bill 1076 by Representative Hansen from Kitsap County. And that's all about labor standards enforcement, including the all important health and safety protections. That would actually allow workers to file a special kind of lawsuit to enforce labor law if a state agency is too slow or unresponsive or unable to address the the root causes on a job site. And I think those are two really powerful pieces of legislation this year. And hearing about these bills, these seem to me like they're bills that could help all working people, not just our union members. So I know we try to communicate this with our audience, but it sure seems to me, Joe, that you may be working with the State Labor Council as the Government Affairs Director, but you're pretty much working for all working people, right? Yeah, I mean, just about everything we do, we do through the lens of, you know, how does this help workers? There are certainly bills sometimes that are about collective bargaining rights and very specific to unionized workers, but most of the stuff we do, honestly, is system-wide. It's unemployment insurance benefits for everybody. It's workers' compensation benefits for injured workers, all injured workers, not organized injured workers. I think that's an important value. The labor movement is at its strongest when it's bringing workers of all stripes together. And I think that's an important value that the Labor Council holds and that I think is important in the work I do in Olympia. Amen to that. Thank you, Joe Kendo, Government Affairs Director for the Washington State Labor Council. And thank you, working people, for joining us on another episode of Working to Live in Southwest Washington, produced by the Southwest Washington Central Labor Council. Hey, Harold, know what else you can tell your state legislatures this session? Huh? (laughs) You could tell them that this podcast was recorded under a SAG after collective bargaining agreement, and you hope they'll support others as well. Well, they're going to be glad to hear that. They might think that'll keep me from bugging them about Washington's film incentive program every year. They'd be wrong, though. Monica, Annette, you're my legislators. You'll be hearing from me this year again. Remember, working people, this is your show. We want to know what you want to hear on it. Email us at podcast at swwaclc.org or find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at swwaclc. And don't forget, it's 2021 and you got New Year's resolutions. And one of those is to subscribe to our podcast and pass it on to your friends and family. So hit that subscribe button. And while you're at it, give us five capital domes or check the voting box or or whatever your podcast platform of choice gives you to let people know that you like what we're doing here. One last thing, folks. Like I said at the top of the show, our system of government is based on the idea that we can talk to the people in government and tell them what we want them to do. But the way to accomplish that is not through violence. It's not by building gallows on the steps of Capitol buildings. It's through elections. If you don't like how things are going, in your state legislature, in your city council, or even at the federal level, work to get a better candidate elected and vote, and then accept the results of the election. And please, please check your sources. A lot of those people were there because they believed something that was so 
untrue and full of lies. And that's why I'd like to refer people to episode six, telling fact from fiction online. Because if you get absorbed into these lies and conspiracy theories, you can really lose yourself as we did see some of our fellow Americans losing themselves last week. So please check your sources, check the facts, and please do not rely on YouTube and social media for your news. We've got a long way to go to heal from what happened last week in DC. But the only way we're going to do that is if we can all agree to live together and all agree on what the truth is. We'll see you soon. Bye.